So, okay, I'm going to start off with a, with a story that Pastor Melissa's Aunt Jenny used to tell back in the day. So I, it just came to me last night through Revelation. She used to tell a story about these two people. One was white and the other one was black. And every day they used to argue, is Jesus white or is he black? For 20 years, that's all they talked about every time they met. And then it just so happened they both died on the same day. They went up to heaven, they came to the gate, and they asked Peter. They said, we've been arguing for 20 years. Is Jesus white or is he black? Can you settle the argument? And all of a sudden, Jesus walked up to them and said, Buenos dias. <laughs> there we go. That's from way back in the day, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the scripture, Isaiah chapter fifty-nine, verse thirteen. Isaiah chapter fifty-nine, verse thirteen. And in this scripture he's talking about Jerusalem back in the day, back thousands of years ago. And it was, there was wickedness in the city. And, and when he looked over the city of Jerusalem, this is what he saw. Isaiah 59, 13. We know we have rebelled and have denied the Lord. We have turned our backs on our God. We know how unfair and oppressive we have been, carefully planning our deceitful lies. Our courts oppose the righteous, and justice is nowhere to be found. Truth stumbles in the streets, and honesty has been outlawed. Yes, truth is gone, and anyone who renounces evil is attacked. So he looked back at the city in his time, the city that was dedicated to the Lord, that was supposed to be the holy city. And what did he see? He saw evil, injustice, abuse, perversion. And so let's come forward to our day and look at, at our own city. And at the first glance, what do you see? The same thing Isaiah saw over his city. Abuse, violence, perversion, injustice, greed. We call good evil and we call evil good. There's corruption in the court system, in the government, injustices. And, and that's what I want to speak about today. How do we, what should be our response as the body of Christ? Pastor George has been going through a series called Bodybuilding. Well, we are God's body on the earth. We are his hands and his feet. What should our response be to the evil in the city? The, the total wickedness sometimes. People parading their sin down the streets. People just being openly flaunting their sins, mocking the people of God, mocking the word of God. How should we respond? 
So I'm going to ask David, who's going to come up, and I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 62, verse 1, because Isaiah the prophet, who just had spoken about the wickedness and evil in the city, he began to prophesy over his city of Jerusalem. He began to prophesy as through the heart of God. So I asked David to come and read the scriptures, but I also asked him to substitute the word New York for Jerusalem or Zion or Israel. So it's Isaiah 62, starting in verse 1. Verse 1. Because I love New York, I will not keep still. Because my heart yearns for New York, I cannot remain silent. I will not stop praying for her until her righteousness shines like the dawn and her salvation blazes like a burning torch. The nations will see your righteousness. World leaders will be blinded by your glory. And you will be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. The Lord will hold you in his hand for all to see. A splendid crown in the hand of God. Never again will you be called the forsaken city or the desolate land. Your new name will be the city of God's delight and the bride of God. For the Lord delights in you and will claim you as his bride. Your children will commit themselves to you, O oh, New York, just as a young man commits himself to his bride. Then God will rejoice over you as a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. O oh, New York, I have posted watchmen on your walls. They will pray day and night continually. Take no rest, all you who pray to the Lord. Give the Lord no rest until he completes his work, until he makes New York the pride of the earth. Verse 12. And they will be called the holy people and the people redeemed by the Lord. And New York will be known as the desirable place and the city no longer forsaken. Amen. You see, I, I go on online, I get a lot of emails from people saying they're prophetic, and what are they doing? They're pronouncing judgment over our city. We've had people that come here and say, I hate this city, because they, they see the wickedness and the evil. And they begin to pronounce judgment. They, what does judgment mean? It means it's portraying an angry God who, who's ready to bring destruction. Now, I, I don't want to compromise the word. The word says that there is going to be a final judgment. That in the end, God is going to pour out his wrath and anger against sin because, yes, he's the bridegroom. Yes, he's a holy, loving father, but he's also the righteous judge. And one day, everyone is going to have to stand before God. And those who, don't have, who are not born again, those who don't have the spirit of God, those whose names are not being 
written in the book of life will not make it into heaven. I don't care what modern day doctrine says that a righteous God will not send anyone to hell. That's not what the word says. But at the same time, we have a responsibility while we're on here on the earth as God's body. Jesus said, occupy until I come. And here the ministry of the Spirit is found in Romans chapter 4, 17. It says, God who gives life to the Spirit, who gives life to the dead, and calls things which do not exist as though they did. That's New Testament. That's what Isaiah did even in the Old Testament. He looked into the eyes of evil. He looked into the, a broken, wicked, rebellious city through the eyes of God, through the hearts of God, and he began to see the possibility. And he began to speak forth that which was not as though it was. He said, you are a holy city. You are, you are a righteous city. And as the people of God, that's how we're supposed to speak over our cities. That's how we're called to speak over individuals. I, I always quote from Ezekiel chapter 37, which is about the valley of dry bones. That's one of my favorite scriptures, where Ezekiel looked into a valley of death, nothing but destruction and dry bones. And it would have been easy for him to, and God said, what do you see? It would be easy to say, I just see death. I see dried up bones. But you know, he looked into the dry bones. He said, I see a mighty army. And as the people of God, as the body of Christ, it's our job to look into death, look, in, look into a broken person in the face, and not, and, and not tell them how messed up they are because they know it already. You know that that's not ministry to tell people that they're all messed up. Oh, you're, you're a failure. What kind of, that, you could get that anywhere in the world. True New Testament ministry is I look into the face of a person that's failed, who's fallen, is broken, and I see destiny. I see greatness. I speak things that, that are not as though they were. I begin to proclaim, you are a businessman. You are a holy man of God. I can look into the eyes of a prostitute and begin to see destiny, and I don't say, oh, God is going to destroy you. He's going to get you. I begin to call forth God's purpose. I say, I see a businesswoman in a suit, a woman of influence. And we've done that many times and see people just begin to break. It's, a, it's about seeing destiny in an individual and over the city. In Jeremiah, God said, love the city that you're in. Pray for its good. Pray for its blessing. We're not here to curse the city. 
That's why you got to be careful with the words that you speak from your mouth because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And when you begin to curse somebody, when you begin to gossip, you begin to tear down someone, you come into agreement with hell according to James chapter 3. And you are doing the work of the enemy and, and you are helping to tear someone's life up. There's no ministry in the Bible called the ministry of finger pointing. That's one thing God says. One thing I hate is the accusing tongue. Be careful about the words that you speak. Be, when you speak, you proclaim things as, as, that are not as though they were. You don't go around, we don't go around judging people, wounding people with our words, tearing them down. There's no place for that. This is Old Testament. And Isaiah looked in the face of evil and said, I see a beautiful city, a city no longer forsaken. Can you see that over your community, over your neighborhood? Can you see that over the pagan, rebellious people around you? Can you see their destiny? If you want to have the heart of God, that's how you look at people. And you begin to call it out. You begin to proclaim it over them. Otherwise, you've lost any right to speak over their life. If, you, if you're gossiping about me, you're going to say, oh, that jerk, he don't know what he's talking about. Oh, he calls himself a pastor. You've lost every right to speak into my life. I don't want to hear a word you got to say. If you're tearing down this church, oh, that sanctuary, oh, this and that and these don't come and tell me anything because I'm not going to take you seriously anymore. You've lost your right because you don't have the heart of God. E even in the Old Testament, in the book of Jonah, there was a wicked city called Nineveh. The most wicked city probably in the history of the earth. They would destroy people, destroy families. They would come into another nation and bring destruction and separate the, the children from their parents. That's how wicked they were. And God sent Jonah the prophet into, into Nineveh, and he didn't have the heart of God. He said, I don't want to go because I want to see judgment. I want to see justice on these people. He hated the, that city, and he refused to go. He ran the other way, and finally he went, and he preached, and you know what happened? The people turned to God. They wept over their sin. The city was transformed, but what was Jonah's response? He sat under a tree, angry at God. He said, I knew you were going to forgive these people. And you know what God said? Shouldn't I? There's so many people in this city men and women and children and animals. God even cares about the pets and the animals. He says, shouldn't I have mercy? How much more in New Testament times does God want to have mercy on our city? 
It's easy to speak judgment and, and destruction. All the prophetic words, I get hundreds of them I've seen. Oh, I see blood flowing through the streets of New York City. Oh, I see, I see buildings tumbling down. And you know what I see? I see the purposes of God. I see a revival among the gay community. I, I see Broadway theaters that are going to proclaim the goodness of God. I see Wall Street giving over the wealth of the wicked to the righteous. Can you see through the eyes and the heart of God? Can you see the destiny, the, the purpose? I want to give you another example. The, going back to the New Testament, when Jesus was going, in, was going through a city called Samaria with, with his disciples. And you know what happened in that city? They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like Christians. They didn't like Jews. They didn't want to hear the message. They mocked them. They ridiculed them. And two of the disciples, James and John, said, Hey, Jesus, you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy those people? Don't you feel like doing that sometimes when people give you a hard time? When you read the Old Testament, Isaiah, these people were trying to kill him. He called down fire from heaven. He said, let's destroy them. And these disciples said, let's do that. These people don't like us. These people are wicked. Let's call fire down and burn them up. And how did Jesus respond? You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Whose responsibility is that? We are his body. What does that mean? He's chosen us to do that work. To go out and seek and save that which is lost. Not to call down fire and, and destruction. That's God's job. He's the judge. I'm not. Thank God. If I was the judge, a bunch of you here would probably be gone a long time ago. right? Oh, I shouldn't have said that, Pastor Joe. I forgot you came back from your vacation. I would never have said that. We're not called to be the judge. We're, we're, we're called to seek and to save and to love. I, I, we have a responsibility not just in, within the church. It's good to be the body of Christ. We come here, we worship, we have a, we have a good time in the Lord. But that's only the beginning of our responsibility. God send us back into our community, back into our workplaces, because you are people of influence. You are there to have an effect. Isaiah 58, 12, some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. 
Isaiah 61.4, they'll rebuild the old rooms, raise a new city out of the wreckage. They'll start over on the ruined cities. Take the rubble left behind and make it new. That's your job. Did you know that's your job description as a people of God? To go into broken lives and bring restoration to restore families? To bring, it says in the Bible, to restore the hearts of the father back to the children and to restore the the hearts of the children back to their fathers, to bring righteousness, love, God's heart, God's purposes into the community, not just to curse what we see, put on the news and begin to curse the violence, begin to curse, not that we accept it, we pray against it, we war against it, but we love the people. If that doesn't make sense to you, I got no other gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, God is going to judge. The, the wicked are going to have to stand before him. But that's, that's his job. It's our job to rebuild broken hearts, broken lives, a broken city. I, I want to I read you some statistics. See, this nation is in trouble. This is about the young people. It says, a majority of 20-somethings, 61% of today's young adults, had been churched at one point during their teen years, but now they no longer want anything to do with God. Only 33% of youth who go to church say they will continue to go to church when they leave home. Only one out of three young people, when they grow up, say, yes, I'm going to still serve the Lord. Seven out of, seven out of ten Christians between the ages of 18 to 30 who went to church regularly in high school said they quit attending by the age 23. We are losing a generation. And it's easy to just write them off. You know, it's very easy to write people off. I, I always hear the same things. Oh, my season with that person is over. I don't want anything more to... We can't write off people. Those are people created in the image of God that God loves. We're called to save a generation, to bring restoration. We're not going to be content with the young people walking away from the Lord. I, I, I called the name of this sermon Transcendence. Why? Because we're not called to fit into the society. We're called to transcend it. We're called to change it. To bring the purposes of God into our communities, into our circumstances. I'm going to read again a scripture I read a few weeks ago from Acts 17:26. It says, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. 
and he determined the set times for them and the exact places where they should live. Do you know what that means? It's not a coincidence that you're living in this region, in this city right here and right now. You're not just passing through till you get enough money to move to Florida, Puerto Rico, or wherever your dreams are. God has supernaturally placed you in this city. He has supernaturally placed you in this church. You think you just wandered in one day. The Bible says right here that God has destined you. He played, the people around you are there because God brought you together. Do you think it's a coincidence that you work where you do? God placed you in that job. And I don't care who tries to remove you. If God placed you, only God could take you out. What, what does that mean? It means there's purpose, there's destiny. If you're living in this city right now, you've got a role to play to bring transformation, to touch life. If God put you in a job, it's not a coincidence. There's a purpose for you, even if you don't like the job. Did you know that? In spite of what you might watch on Christian TV, being a Christian is not all about me and me being blessed and how I can prosper and how I can be happy. That's American Christianity. Even though all those things are wonderful, I believe in prosperity. I believe in blessing. But that's not my purpose. I'm willing to lay down my life to see God's purpose. And sometimes God will put you in a job that you hate. Wow. Why? Because there's lives that he wants you to touch. There's people there that are lost, that God wants to use you to, to be a bridge, to bring transformation. And I, I want to give you an example of that. Now, I'm, I'm going to ask Tamika to come. Let's have a big hand for Tamika. Good morning, God bless. Um, I was a little nervous, but um, I'm just gonna be myself. And I am a perfect example of being in a place where I do not want to be. Now, anyone who knows me, I could be a brat, I could be a diva, and I had to humble myself when I came here. And that was his first lesson to me. Be who I created you to be, not what you thought you had to be. You are you, and I love you just the way you are. And that took a long time for me to accept because I kept doubting myself, and doubting and doubting. So I work at, um, I work at a Ivy League college here in um, Morningside Heights, Columbia. And um, wow. I'm not gonna bash, because I love what I do. I just don't care too much for my coworkers. <laughs> and so I've been blessed um, long enough to be there now, two and a half years, and um, I kept asking God, why am I still here? Haven't I shown you, haven't I 
prayed? Haven't I fasted? Haven't I come to you humbly, stripped myself, and asked you to move me? And I went to the seminary and I sat in the little garden and I said, Lord, please, what else must I do to get up out of here? Because I felt the BC chick coming back like, rah. And I'm just keeping it real, you know. Though you know, you want to take your earrings off, ponytail, you want to be like, ah, I got something for you. But I have little, I have little angels at work, and the power of prayer and the power of just being faithful, and I know that He has a purpose. So. I go to work one morning really early. I start praying, put my worship music on, and I have a student who comes before nine o'clock. Normally I'd be like, uh-uh, I'm not ready. But I just, my spirit was like, speak to her. So I open the door and she's crying. And I'm like, oh my God, well now we're gonna have two crying chicks here. And what does she need? She says, I applied for a grant and I don't think I'm gonna get it. And I said, oh, stop right there. We're not, gonna, we're not receiving that. We're going to pray on this, and you, God knows what you need. And she looks at me and she says, Miss Boda, you're a believer? I'm like, I, yes, I am. And she's like, wow, okay. My mother used to pray with me, and my mother was filled with so much joy. I want to have that. And I said, you do have that. You just doubt yourself. And because you moved from one area to another area, you feel like you can't show that you're a, tr a true Christian. And we're going to just knock that wall down because you've built it unnecessarily. Be who you are. And I'm listening to myself like, oh, snap. <laughs> I need to practice what I preach. <laughs> so... I look at her and I said, do you really feel that you want this? And she says, I need this. And I said, but remember, he knows your needs, he knows your desires, he knows you. And she says, but I need this. And I said, okay, and I'm praying with her and I'm praying and I'm praying and I don't care who sees us praying. Back and forth, people then start to come in. And as we're ending, she says, I'm gonna get this. And I'm looking at her and I feel a little doubt, like you're not gonna get this one, mama. She's not. She <laughs> but I, I, give, I give her blessing. I send her on her way, and I'm like, I'm too old. I'm too young to be her mother, but I got this. We, we're praying. I'm stepping in as her mom. Two weeks later, she comes in, and she's like, I didn't. I said, don't worry about it, because something else is going to come, and this one is going to be double what you need double what you wanted and watch the other door is going to open so she tells me all right I received that but she's not convinced and I'm like Lord I know you didn't give it to her for a reason and I'm gonna pray so I send her a prayer I fast for with her for two days and on that Wednesday she says oh my god I got the Shanghai scholarship and a grant so she thought she could just do with 3,500, but God said, I got something better and bigger for you. She gets $7,000, plus she gets a raise. And now all these doors are opening, because I'm like, Lord, she can't be hungry in New York? Like, really? Mm -mm. 
she needs to pay rent, she needs to pay for the dog's vet, and she's a grad student. So he puts in my heart, let's pray again, let's pray again. I said, okay. I said, Melissa, let's sit down and let's pray. And she said, but I got what I needed. I said, no, you're gonna have a bigger task coming at you. And she's like, oh, why? I said, it's not up to me. So she says, all right. A week later, she comes back and she says, my little boy that I tutor, his dad is sick with cancer. And I said, oh, wow. Back to praying, back to just, you know, motivating her, encouraging her. Now she's taking that and she's motivating and encouraging and praying for others. Which I was like, Lord, thank you. Because I'm like, all right, I look like a spiritual mother up in here. <laughs> but it's okay. I accept it. I don't get along with one of my, my supervisors. And I was led into her office. And she says, oh, we need to talk. And I said, oh, God, here we go. But it wasn't a talking about negativity. It was, she was hurt. And I could see in her face that she's hurt. She has very, very high expectations of her daughter. There's just a lot going on there. And I said, before we start this, I'd like to pray. And I'd like to just start with the good. And then we can end with the bad, because I, I see that there's a lot you want to say. And she says, you want to pray? I said, yeah, I want to pray. She says, but I don't believe in praying. And I said, but I do. So, you know, you have an Asian lady looking at you like, what is this? But the spirit, in any other time, I would have been like, hmm, judging her, condemning her, and be like, I don't even want to deal with you right now. But I dealt with her. I got over that fear. I got over not wanting to be who I was at work. And, you know, I basically told her, your daughter loves you and you love your daughter. So be a mom before you are an academic professor or before you're this professional. Be her mom because that's what she needs. So we spoke, nothing bad. Everything negative she had to say went out the window. I said, thank you, Lord, because that was you. That was him. So, although I may not like at times going to work, I have to set an example for my children. I have to set an example for those who look at me as a mentor or someone who they are like learning from. And I'm like, hey, we're gonna learn together. We're gonna walk in this together. Because guess what? We're a part of the body, right? And if you have one part of that vine, that's a poison little berry, then we gotta fix that fast. But I go to work now with a smile. And even though I don't know what's behind, you know, 316's door or 319's door, I still manage to smile. I still manage to go in there wholeheartedly and say, Lord, just have your way. Because I know this is, for sh this is not for me forever. I stand on your promise. I stand on your word. And I go in there strapped up from head to toe. Armor from head to toe. Every day, all day. That's right, amen. So thank you. Just stand firm. You may not like where you're at right now, but it's only temporary and you will move forward. But moving forward, sometimes it's like uncomfortable and you're like, oh, getting impatient. But when those doors of opportunities start to open, you're gonna be like, woo, Jesus, I waited. I may have not been good all the time, but I waited and I'm, 
and you go strolling through those doors. So I ask that you help me wait patiently in that hallway until another door of opportunity opens, until this special assignment of mine at this college comes to its closure, and just encourage one another, you know? Even if it's a smile, even if it's a hug. You know, words sometimes aren't what you need, just a smile or a gesture. So I thank you for listening to me, and I hope you have a wonderful week ahead and a beautiful afternoon. Take care, God bless. So you mean all that didn't happen here in the church building? Wow. I thought prayer is only for church. So what I'm not saying is that God wants to make you miserable and he's going to put you in places you're not happy. What I'm saying is for a season, for a time, God could have an assignment for you because there's a life that needs to be changed and you're the one that was predestined and uniquely created to do it. You see, there's destiny in you. There is greatness in you. Every one of you has a divine assignment. You've been raised up for a time such as this. You're called to be the body of Christ, walking in unity, being God's hands. What does that mean? I go out there and I help. I assist. You're called to be God's mouth. I go, to the, I go into the communities. I go back to the schools and I tell them what God has done for me. Some, some of you are called to be holy designers and change the way that clothes are designed. Some of you might be called to go into invade the music industry and bring transformation. See, I don't curse Hollywood. What I do is I begin to proclaim that Hollywood is a place where godly movies are going to be made, where the word of God is going to go forth to the nations. You've got you to see God's redemptive purpose. You've got to see his heart. I, Isaiah 60 it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. You know what that means? My theology might be different from some other people. We read in that the last days that evil's going to increase, that the spirit of Antichrist is going to increase. He's going to attack you. He's going to try to stop you. He's going to try to take over. And all that might be true. But it says, in the midst of the darkest place, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. You are a carrier of the light and the glory and the presence of God, not just in church so, so we could worship, which is our highest calling, is to worship God, to meet with him. 
but to take that glory, take the hope that you have and carry it into a dying community and restore and rebuild and do a mighty work. And who is that for? That's for you. If you can hear me right now, that is a word for you. You are a transformer of society, a rebuilder of desolate places, of broken homes. That's you. I, I, I heard a, a quote where somebody was asking God, God, do something. I might even have heard it from Pastor George. I don't remember, but I'll take credit anyway. But somebody was crying out to God. They looked at their community. They looked at, at the evil, the wickedness, the abuse, the hurting, empty people. And they said, God, do something. And God said, I did do something. And, and, and the man said, what? God said, I created you. That's you. You're the answer. Right there in your workplace. I don't care if you're not a pastor, if you don't know the whole Bible. You got the light and the love of God to shine through you to change your environment, to change your atmosphere. You know, years ago, I, I was a special ed teacher, and I worked in a hospital with young kids who were very severely handicapped. Every one of them was deaf, blind, and totally paralyzed. And a lot of, for some reason, it attracted abusive people to come and work there. I guess because those, a lot of people take advantage of children who can't talk back or have no defender. And they would abuse them, pull their hair, curse them, make fun of them. And I was asking God, why did you put me in this place? I hate this place. And I just stood there and every day I prayed and one by one, for no other reason than because the light of God came into the place Every single one of those people were removed from their position. Every single one. And transformation came to that place. Not because I did anything special, even though there were times I went and complained, but that's not what did it. It was just the presence of light in the dark place. I, I, I want to read this scripture over you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. If you, if you can receive this right now, this is my prophetic word of the Lord to every one of you right now. Some of you, you come, you want to hear a word from God. This is what I heard God wanting me to tell every individual. Here's another way to put it. Matthew 5, 14. You're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your life. 
by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. That's the word of the Lord to you. Shine your light in the dark places. We're not going to be afraid of the enemy. You know what the Bible says? That God's given you the authority and the power to trample all over his head. It says, I give you authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and every power of the enemy. Hell cannot prevail against you. Light is greater than the darkness. Whatever your situation is today, no matter how dark it looks, you begin to declare things that are not as though they were. You, don't look at your bank account and say, I'll never have money. You declare things that are not as though they were. I see prosperity. I see change in my home. I am blessed. I, I, I want Bert to come up. I, I want to ask you a question, Bert. I heard you talking about rap fest, and you're going to take the rap out into the park. Wouldn't it be a lot better if we just do it here, we all get together? I, I, I just get all hip-topped out. I put my rap on here. Wouldn't that be a lot easier? It wouldn't be any sacrifice. You wouldn't have to worry about permits and police. Why bother when we could just come here and have a Holy Ghost party and have a whole rap fun time? Why are you going to go out? Why are you bothering with all this money and time and sacrifice? Just to not see you get hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know, it's easy to do something when you're in your comfort zone. And when you walk into a church, you intentionally know that you're coming before God. Whether you want to or not, when you walk into the, anything that's labeled as a church, you already know something supernatural can happen, will happen, should happen, could happen. And out in the streets, we, we definitely just want to minister to people that don't expect that they're going to be ministered to. Perhaps in the middle, yesterday, perfect example during our prayer walk. We were walking through neighborhoods where, honestly, I don't know if I would just walk there on a Saturday morning for a stroll. It's not that kind of place. It's not that kind of place. And we were talking to people that, honestly, I wouldn't just stop and talk to on a regular basis because they're not that kind of people. You know, we had one guy bragging about how he was taught how to pick locks. And he's lived on the neighborhood forever and how this guy, you know, he used to get Manteca and do you know Mananga, whatever her name was and this and that. And we're looking at these people and saying, these are the people we have to reach. These are the people that won't wake up on a Sunday morning and get dressed to go to church. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. You know, there are people that need love in a way that only we can show them, but we have to go to them. As Christians, we have to be aggressive with our message. Without destroying a person, like Gary was saying before, you don't want to straight tell them you're going to hell, you know. And we have to be very tactful in what we present. Not that we're selling Amway or trying to sell a product, but the same way you learned about God, you want others to learn about God. Granted, some people had a harder experience than others, but doing in a church, you know, speaking about God to anybody that's in this building right now today is not going to be a difficult task for any of us. You could get up right now and go to anybody here and just tell them, you know, Jesus loves you. And they're like, amen. But you go to the street and say that, and they're like, what are you talking about? Who's Jesus? 
You may find one or two believers out there, or they'll tell you they believe just so you can leave them alone, right? Although yesterday, one of the guys that was with us, first time doing street ministry, and Tamika would appreciate this, because we did street ministry last year, and the first time we had Tamika praying in the street on Southern Boulevard and 180th Street, and she was like, no, right, Cherry? She was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing in the street right here where everybody can see me, and she went in. You know what? Because she realized that this is, what, this is what God has called us to do, ministry in the street. But yesterday we had a guy with us for the very first time. And when we do street ministry, and use this as, a, as part of your, your knowledge for Saturday when you join us at Rap Fest. We're not going to beat anybody over the head with a Bible. We're not looking for people to get saved and baptized in the park that same day and speak in tongues and walk out miraculously a new person. We're looking to plant the seed. We're looking to, to let people know, you know, like they say, when you're out there, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Let your life be that shine. But we had one guy with us yesterday, and his first time doing street ministry. We told him everything, you know, this is how we do. We're very passive. We just give him a flyer. Yo, the free concert coming up next Saturday. Hope you could join us. And then they asked, what kind of concert? Oh, it's a gospel concert. That's when you start ministering. Little by little, you work your way into the conversation. He went up to the first guy. Do you believe in God? <laughs> and the guy was like, no, and he ran inside the store, you know. But we had to be really tactful in, in what we do. Naturally, that desire to scream out, do you believe in God? That's what's going to push you to the streets. That's what's going to push you to the laws. That's what's going to push you to the sinner. That urgency to see people have that peace, joy, love, hope that you have, is what we, that's what we want to share. But again, why don't we do that in the church? We do it. I I do it in the church. I try to approach as many people as possible. In any, in any opportunity I have, I'm going to grab somebody by the hand and minister to them. Am I praying for them? Am I, am I laying hands on them? And I, am I preaching the gospel? We're just being who we, who we are called to be, people that love, people that share, people that care. You know, if you care, they care. If you don't care, guess what? They don't care either. So, again, out there is where it's at. And Tamika was very bold. I say, I work at a beautiful place, and I love my coworkers. I love my job. I'm just saying, in, in case. But even at work, you have to preach the gospel. Even at work, you have to preach the gospel. Long time ago, and I'm sorry I'm going too long, but long time ago, there was a, a, a rhyme that I wrote. And I was, I was a temp at a, at a place, at a banking place, and it was real heavy, the, the environment. And for the first couple of weeks, I didn't want to tell anybody I was a Christian. But then afterwards, I wrote, where I work, everyone knows I'm a Christian. I tell them all, even if they don't listen. After a weekend of partying for most, I'm the only one to brag and boast about the service I attended. To them, I recommend it. I tell them about the Lord, and I hope they comprehend it. They tell me about the drinking, the dancing, the ladies, the music so loud that drove them crazy. Smoke-filled rooms making them feel great. Just one hour sleep, make them get to work late. But me with smiles, I tell them about Sunday. They'll walk away from me, but hopefully one day sin they'll hate. They'll want to be saved simply from the testimony that I gave. I'm not saying that my speaking could change their life, but to the darkness of their life, I want to bring light. Like 2,000 watts, is that enough? Listen, being a Christian ain't tough. What's tough is telling the world who you are. Since you've accepted the Lord, what have you done so far? It's not easy, you see. Some people just don't want to hear it. But do all things through Christ and don't fear it. Go to the world. Tell them God loves you. And don't be ashamed if somebody shoves you. Spread the good word in your neighborhood. Jesus is the answer for all. Now, isn't God good? Amen. So just, you have to be bold. You have to be courageous. And one thing I always say, if you don't believe, you can't share your belief.
If you don't love, you can't share love. If you don't follow Christ, you can't encourage someone to follow Christ. It's easy to say, but like we say, especially for Saturday, the streets will read you from a mile away. So you could be as fake as you want and say, hallelujah, praise God, and they'll know. They'll know if you mean it or not. That hug, they'll know. That handshake, they'll know. So again, you want to spread love to people out there in the streets? Learn to love each other here. You want to you spread the joy of Christ out in the streets? Learn to live in that joy. Learn to live in that peace. Learn to live in that hope. Learn to live in that prosperity, not always just financially, but in everything, in health, in, in, in relationship. And allow people to see the difference because, again, we are the light, and the light will only shine in the darkness. Light amongst light, it's all good. We just have a bright place. But go where it's dark, and your light will shine. Amen. Can you just play? Amen. We're going to close now. I'm not going to ask the whole worship team to come. Bird will just come on the keyboard. Because some of you are wondering, well, I'm not good at this. I can't talk to people. I don't know what to say. Let me tell you how to do it. Love the one in front of you. We do it one person at a time. As Heidi Baker says, love has to look like something. Saying, I love you, it, it, it has action to it. There's something I got to do. We're going to change this city. We're believing for transformation in that park. We're believing Southern Boulevard is going to be a lighthouse to the world, a place where God's glory is going to shine through, that there's going to be change. The drug addicts, broken people, prostitutes are going to preach the gospel. Yes, they, de they deserve to get wiped out. The wicked people, the rebellious, they, they deserve for fire to come down from heaven and destroy them but here's the problem i destroy the same i deserve the same fate i i have failed i have fallen short i i, I deserve to be for lightning to come down i deserve to be judged but by the grace and mercy of god he looked down from heaven and he saw he, he didn't look at me as a failure as a nothing, as a nobody. But he looked at me and saw destiny. He saw purpose. He saw what I could become. And when he looks at you, he sees the same thing. There's greatness in every one of you. You're called to accomplish something for him, to change the environment, the atmosphere right around you. Like I said, it's not a coincidence you work where you do. There's somebody there that God wants to use to you to touch. So just in closing, I'm going to ask you right now, if you're saying, I'm going to take the challenge, I'm not going to put anything to hide the light anymore. But I'm going to shine for God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the darkness. And I'm going to be a carrier of the glory. I'm going to fulfill the purpose that God has for me. And hell is not going to stop me. If that's your commitment today, I'm going to ask you to stand. I just want to pray over you.
If you're saying, here I am, God, use me. Not just in the church. We need workers in the church. We need children's workers. We need ushers. But we also need people out there. We need God's mouthpieces, his feet who are going to go. So, Father, I thank you right now for each one who's standing, oh God. I break the power of fear over your life, and I release a holy boldness over you, the heart of the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I decree that every purpose that God has for you will be fulfilled in Jesus' name. That your destiny will come to pass in the name of Jesus. That you are a holy generation, a royal priesthood. And you are beautiful in the eyes of God. In the midst of your failure, in the midst of your mess, God looks at you through the eyes of the Father, the eyes of redemption. And he says, I see a holy man of God. I see a mighty woman, a mighty warrior. So, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for a people of destiny, a people of purpose, oh God. I thank you for great success, Father, that you would give us the words to speak, that you would help us to love the one that you put just in front of us, Lord God, the person at the bus stop, Lord God, the one we pass every day, Lord God. And I just bless you right now. I bless your life. I bless your destiny. And I just agree that you will fulfill everything that God has put you in this earth for. He didn't just put us here just to have fun and fellowship, even though that's great. But he's put us here to accomplish something for him, even if it's just to win that one, that one lost person, like Tamika said. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness, for your blessing, Lord God. Father, we pray for Rapfest, oh God, next week. Father, raise up the workers, Lord God. Father, we thank you that in that park, that many hearts would turn to you, that your glory would be seen, oh God. That through the arts, through the creativity, Lord God, that your heart, your love would be made known. And we bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just thank God.